0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm my chip outs, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time! to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod.
1: Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here again for our main episode. We're recording a little late Thursday evening, but we're still going to just gave us more time to look at fights. It's only two of us tonight. It's me and Dank Wagers. Danny, how you doing? Doing real good, man. Another great
0: fight week. UFC San Diego on the horizon coming off of a green card. Uh, the PFLs overseas in London, or I guess they're in Wales this week. But uh, I think we got Bellator this weekend. Uh, we Dana White contender series a day or two ago, just coming off of the huge bone nickel performance that we'll get into. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But um, I- yeah, I'm feeling good, man. What a week! What a great couple cards.
1: Yeah, we're not only a great couple cards. But we have a lot coming up. It, it's just a great day to be a fan of mixed martial arts. So Kobe's in Ireland right now taking a hiatus from us. But Danny and I are here to hold the fort down in the meantime.
0: And but I want to I, I tease something because we're going to we, – we had a little bit of a commotion. I won't say commotion, but uh, a hand raised in our group chat this week. I'm teasing the return of Parker soon, who's
1: got some news in his jiu-jitsu progress. This is news to me, but I'll look forward when I see it. Parker's been long missed. In the meantime, let's recap last week's card, a very green card for me. I went three units green. I had a boy. I,
0: I, I swept the card. I had two small plays. that were both on the main event.
1: Yeah. one Could have si- gone greener. I me mean, one science play messed me up in Granger, but I still went significantly green. But let's just start with our almost ankle lock. That would have been fine being the ankle lock anyways. Uh, MBS, getting the job done over Stephanie Egger. Did you see a tap? The whole thing was kind of weird, especially for an opener. I did not see a tap. This was a fight I didn't watch very closely, though. I was uh,
0: at, at, I, I was out with my family, and uh, mm. my my dad had listened to our, our show on the way up, on the drive down, or I guess down to Austin. Um, Shout so out Mr. Kortz. Thank you very much. Yeah, he, he got to the the bar and he said well I've got woman science in the first two and I've got he, he had all these dogs that we were playing based on the episode and uh he cast, but neither of us saw the tap
1: at all no oh, yeah the tap it was just weird but I'm assuming someone like MBS like I'm hoping Edgar came forward it was just like oh yeah I totally tap because you know you don't want to see someone get their arms snapped because the ref doesn't say it's one of those gray areas but I'm glad it ended up just being a win. We didn't get robbed, which I was a little nervous about at one point. So this one is one of my losses here. Corey McKenna, first ever female Von Floonchoke against Miranda Granger. I mean, is McKenna, I know she trains out of Team female male in the States. I know she's a contender series alum who I seemingly love to fade. Is she something? Am I missing something, Dan? I mean, a Von Floonchoke is no easy feat. Um, I don't know what you're implying that you're missing. I, I
0: still don't think she's a contender here. I still think she's undersized even for one fifteen, um, and I don't think she's going to have a, a ton of success against any really skilled woman
1: here. Thoughts on uh, an atom weight with Corey McKenna and Luma?
0: I, I would. I think that the UFC is overdue for. Her. And atom weight and getting rid of the featherweight. I mean, what there's or
1: just add both. I don't know. It depends. I mean, Nunez is the only active
0: fighter at 145. At this point, it's just like a marketing ploy to make her a double champ. Let's get actually active fighters in the atom weight division. Right now, the straw weights full of atom weight fighters that are too skilled but not big enough to really compete at 115.
1: Yeah, if they could really fill out a roster, that's a move I kind of anticipate them making. So another one I wanted to be ankle locked, but the line was a little steep, was Brian Battle. And a lot of volume, a lot of power, and he looked really good at 170. Sato's on the way out. I I don't believe he's fast enough to fight at 170. I don't believe he is well-rounded enough to fight at 170. But Brian Battle, from being the last pick in the Ultimate Fighter, to now just stouching people, finished Petrovsky, finished in the Ultimate uh, Fighter finale against... Urbina, and now finishing Sato in a, with a highlight reel head kick. I, I mean, I am just I went into that fight looking to fade battle, and I just found myself falling in love with this kid. So
0: yeah, and and he's a guy that I mean, you really haven't seen what his ceiling could be or any kind of limit to his potential. Uh, just with starting at heavyweight and really, I mean, this is his first fight down at 170. I made a comment to you on Saturday morning that he looked really he skinny, did. not yeah, not did. very good. I'm sure that'll continue to look better and better as he gets used to that cut. But yeah. um, this is a guy that's really just finding his niche, his finding his, his weight class, and he's a much better athlete than he, he put on uh, fighting at 185, fighting at 205, fighting at 250. Uh, in, in what we've seen, I think that I, I won't go ahead and say that he's, someone to watch but i think that he could be a diamond in the rough here i think that there could yeah. be a lot that that's under the he, surface
1: and you kind of touched on it just in a different way but he's just really raw i mean he, he's he's just really raw and he's newish to the sport but what he's shown and the other thing too that you don't see all the time but i see with him is drastic improvements from fight to fight like he clearly is is being a sponge um, and really absorbing well. So that's always great to see. Michelle Olzicek defeats Sam Alvey. I mean, surprise, surprise. I took the KOTKO and it was like minus 115, which is awesome uh, to avoid the minus 600. I know people are going back and forth, whether it was going to be sub or striking. I went striking. Look, Alvey kind of has been the meme on social media. A-, a lot of people are joking, myself included, about how he shouldn't have been rostered to begin with. And now he's getting fight extensions and all these jokes just really rubbing salt in the wound. But nonetheless, Sam, uh, Sam Alvey's contract did not, in fact, get renewed surprise, surprise. So he is a free agent, but from what I understand, he's still looking to fight. I mean, you might see him pop up in Bellator PFL. We'll see. Bare knuckle. Yeah. Bare, I, yeah. We'll see. But Nonetheless, there's nothing for me on this one in particular to write home about with uh, Mich- in regards to Michelle just because this really was a expected outcome. Same with the next one. Yeah. And so Harris- go- going on with the next one too, this one I did a little differently, Dan. This one I did by finish because I really didn't know which way McKinney was going to get it done. Wasn't great odds, minus 400, better than minus 600, added it to a parlay, but Yeah. I mean, if Gonzalez could have lasted, I know you and I were teasing that maybe the gas tank would give him McKinney, but he was just on this man. Yeah, this
0: matchup was not the one to to be on the other side of McKinney. And I, I still think keep- that there might be a spot. I mean, 155 is just too tough a division to Eventually. walk into and just Eventually, walk your yeah. way into the title conversation. But he looks great. He looks great on the feet. His grappling looks great.
1: No yeah, he he really, really does. He really shows that he is a well-rounded individual. There's just some cleaning up and experience factors that need to be added. But outside of that, he's definitely got to watch at 55. Sergey Speedvack, another leg in all of my parlays, made it look easy against Augusto Sakai. And I, I want to pretend like this was a surprising outcome for me. really wasn't. It also closed at minus 300. The levels were just different on the ground, yeah. and we knew that. And, and that's where Sakai is going to be a guy, kind of like a, a Walt Harris. Um, I'm trying to think of some other bodies. Uh, 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 maybe a poor man's Darzino, a to Ivasa, A guy that can give you a really exciting fight if he decide if, if, the, if his opponent is like, eh, we'll keep this standing. you know? But it, when, when someone is well-rounded as Spivak gets a hold of him, you, you see what happens. It, it gets dis- dismantled quite quickly definitely. So Dan, you actually got me on this one and I laid a small straight play on tracked, but Juliana Miller, man, got the job done. What did you, I mean, I really didn't have anything coming into this. And I know Brogan Walker's record looked a little bit better going in just with the talent that she fought, but it was man, the tenacity. It, I mean, you were heart. right on, you were right on. I mean, tell, tell me what you thought of that fight. Also newly crowned tough season a million champion but it really was a a textbook juliana miller performance and
0: i'm not going to say that like she's some world beater but we knew that she was going to have that dog in her and even if she faced some adversity and wasn't having just a dominant performance she was going to come in bite down on that mouthpiece and give it her all for that full 15 minutes and that's not something you can really count on from anyone at 125 in that woman's division. I, it hates, it pains me to say it, but
1: um, now that's why I, that's really what led me to do it. Now, did you expect there to be that massive of a skill gap as far as the ground game goes? Yeah. Or were yeah, you mainly relying on pressure?
0: I, I knew that the pressure was there. I was hoping the cardio was there, but I knew that the pressure was going to lead to just Closing the distance, takedowns, ground. That's that's what I was talking about in the
1: breakdown last week. Well, I just wanted to take a second to give you a round of applause because I tailed you in on that, which I usually do tail you in on your plays. And I'm very happy to. It was a a non-sweat to say the least. I'm also going to put you on the spot here quickly. And I feel bad about it, but I'm going to do it anyways. So that fight took place at 125. And I kind of want to see where you think she might stack up so we're seeing one of them this weekend cynthia calvillo do you think julia do you like i'm I'm trying to gauge do you think she could be a top 15 flyweight tracy cortez um i think it's really early to tell
0: we talked about brian battle a second ago yeah and how we undervalued him we looked to fade him um he really didn't impress us versus any of the other tough competition and i think that the other tough competition might not even be on, on a certain level. And so if you're not impressive versus that, we're making all these MMA math, jumping to the yeah. conclusions. And I, I just am not ready to say where she fits in the division based on her tough performances. I knew that in terms of heart, in terms of grappling um, and pressure, like you said, we are going to have all those on our, on our side in this final. But um, I'd like to see her versus some actual – 125ers before we start to talk about the real ceiling.
1: beyond fair enough I wanted to put you on the spot because at the end of the fight I was sitting in a sports book actually and I was just like whole like Danny had that just so fucking right and I remember thinking that when we got back on air I was gonna ask you where you think she might be headed but you know what As I'm, a, I'm it, a big
0: fan of hers I'm not gonna well, I'm not gonna shy well, away she's also a three for her to fight She's also 3-1 yeah,
1: right now, so it would be doing her a disservice to try to put her up against an Aaron Blanchfield, so I am okay with your answer here.
0: Which, by the way, not to get ahead of news and notes, but let's hammer Aaron Blanchfield at the open. Mark my words. Yep,
1: yep. We got to start checking Best Fight odds daily, my man, because we are going to be early and often on that one. So, the other thing, too, I apologize to all our listeners if recap's not their favorite, but... We have nothing but finishes today, Dan. There's none I can even brush over. The entire card was finishes and so many fresh blood here. It's a mandatory thing that we gotta recap it. So Muhammad Usman versus Zach Pauga. And Usman finishes him in the second round with the left hook after, in my opinion, losing the first round by a decent gap. I mean, not 10-8 by any means, but when you looked at the strike totals and and just the 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 pacing and pressure and accuracy, it was all on the side of Pauga. But Muhammad found his shot and kind of warmed down and ended up finishing him at, at plus, man, I think he was plus 220 or something in the fight. And then what's even crazier is, um, I can't remember the Twitter name now, but uh, Bronston, he, uh, Bronster, you know what I'm talking about, um, mentioned that Usman by finish was plus 600 in a heavyweight match, wild got the job and done
0: we, we were talking about the under in that one um just because it was heavyweights and yeah. that everyone expected that to go all tw- all, all 15 minutes um it, it's just variance at this point we're talking heavyweights and that's what it came down to it didn't look like the punch connected on the on like on like a nganu overeem level but th- they are heavyweights
1: and you're off balance a check left hook is going to put your lights out and that's yeah. what it ended up being and that was the one thing I wanted to bring up about this fight is, first off, Pauga took no excuses in, after the fight. He, he, a lot of people were, were mentioning how, oh, it was a lucky, hit hey, you won the first. And he said, if, if I was able to be hit like that, I have a hole. And so I really wanted to take a second just to say, like, that's the wow. mindset of a champion right there where they don't make excuses for themselves. Mm-hmm. Secondly... And 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 more importantly, um I, I have a feeling that Pauga is can actually be a decent heavyweight. And I think that this is gonna age well for Usman. So Not I just saying, looked it up though, and by yeah. looked it up, I mean I'm clicked on his
0: name on tapology. He's 34. That's a Pauga a, is yeah, it's a tough oh, time. Oh yeah,
1: that is tough. And
0: to enter the sport be what's Mo Usman look five like? and one at thirty-four. Thirty
1: and Mo Usman's thirty-three. Yeah. It's, it's yeah,
0: no and, pun and, intended, but it's tough.
1: Yeah, yeah. cringe. No, but the, the thing on top of it too is it's like it just shows that not only is tough, especially with contender series having a tough time filling out bodies, but heavyweight and women's and a lot of these women divisions just don't have that many bodies. I mean we're looking at 34 and 33 year olds as fresh crop here. So, you know, we'll see. I'm looking – I'm actually looking forward to seeing both these guys again. I, I think they're decent enough and will and, and will we'll provide enough for for the UFC heavyweight division. Okay, this one was a little bit of a heartache, and I – Did we get lord on this one? What ended up happening? I do not recall. What would have the bet been? I would no, have had Okay. I
0: mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, we'll have to I review the tape.
1: The, I was on the Jeff Neal side. I, we'll have to review the tape. We'll have to review the tape. I do not recall – if any of our listeners remember, if I owe Malort, a let us no, know. No, you definitely
0: don't. I was trying to trying to uh, gaslight a little bit. But I, I was we going to say, definitely well, on different so sides the reason
1: why. Reason we were why, definitely on different sides is all I was trying to say. So here's what's interesting. The reason why I brought it up is because 10 minutes before the fight, I placed my ticket on Neil, and I it might have been you. It, it, you might have been the little birdie in my ear. But, Dan, take it away on this one. Jeff Neal just broke through the granite chin Vicente Luque. It arguably could have been finished earlier. Luque got just pieced on the feet, but obviously his chin is his best, one of his best weapons. But TKO, KO finish late in the third round, and Jeff Neal, in my opinion, looked as good as he's ever looked.
0: Yeah, it really goes back to exactly what I said last week. It's if the best version of Jeff Neal shows up, this line is completely wrong, completely flipped, and we know that Vicente Luque is going to come in and play Jeff Neal's game. He's going to stand in front of him. We know that the best version of Vicente Luque is hittable. And that Jeff Neal is a sharp striker. I wouldn't want to stand in front of Jeff Neal very, very long. And you can't, as Vicente Luque showed, even with his iron chin. Um, it, it just ended up being a huge problem. He ate huge uppercuts, huge elbows. I mean, Jeff Neal was sharp. Like you said, it was his best performance. But um, I don't know. Sometimes you, you, Sometimes you have to expect an athlete to look good I mean he's still 31. this isn't a guy like hopefully the resurgence and and I don't know I'm, I, I don't want to bring up Dominic Cruz we're going to talk about him later but um it almost feels similar of if the best version of both these fighters shows up this line is stupid this line does not
1: make so any then my sense. next my next question is I mean Luke just got pretty one-sided by Belal Muhammad which you hate to see. And, and now he's getting finished by Jeff Neal in a pretty one-sided match. Striking match. Have we seen the best of Vicente Luque? I mean, he was always someone that people talked about getting a shot, and he always dropped it right before he got his shot. He dropped to Steve Wonderboy Thompson, comes all the way back. The Blow Muhammad fight was most likely, if he won that, he was going to get the next shot, lost that one. Are we... Gonna see Vicente Luque get a title shot in, in in this in this lifetime, or is this kind of is he gonna transition to the to the you know gatekeeper of this division? I'll tell you that it,
0: I it it hurts me to say we're both big fans of Vicente Luque. And keep in mind, he's 30. I,
1: keep right. mind he's
0: thirty. I, he's thirty years old. I won't say that we've seen the best version of Vicente Luque. Obviously, that four fight win streak: Nico Price, Randy Brown, Woodley, Chiesa. That was great. He's 30 years old. I'm confident he can go on an equal, maybe similar win streak. I don't think that from the very beginning of his career, he thinks that he could have ever been champion. I mean, he came in in that Black Zillions um, season with Kamaru Usman in his same weight class. And there's just been no opportunity to gain like any headway on his teammate. And, and one of his best friends. I mean, I don't think he's looking for Kamaru to lose the belt. I mean, he's a huge Kamaru fan and and I mean, teammate, sparring partner, um, but confidant, see, all but, of it.
1: But you do he's see, never been close. And now he's now he's gotten now he's gotten even closer with Gilbert Burns. But look what's happening, but hold on, look what's happening at 135. You got a guy in Aljo saying he'll go to 45. Just to give Mirab the chance at 35, Mirab beats Aldo. Has Usman's talked about skipping 85 because he's friends with Izzy, but going right after the 205 uh Yuri or Glover. I mean, you could see a world where Usman lets Luke fight for call it an interim belt while he goes trying to be a double champ.
0: I just still think he, he's a couple rungs down the ladder, and that's what I was getting into the other a little thing. Bit is is his new best friend our favorite fighter my favorite oh, fighter, ah, me too gilbert Dorino burns let's say let's say kamaru does do that the guy to me who had the best round and a half whatever shot against kamaru yeah was gilbert burns the guy who dropped him um and and i still think that gilbert's a head and shoulders both striking and grappling no he he is. he is and he is that's he what's is. tough about the welterweight picture is is a guy like the he who's so awesome, I don't think has ever been in a position where he's thought he's the best guy in his
1: gym, let alone the division. Yeah, I do. He does kind of remind me of like a significantly better Alex Morono too, where he's kind of just like loves fighting, and is kind of just I, I don't want to say he's happy, but like I've never heard him go like I need to be champion. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like he, I think he's kind of happy just putting on exciting fights that. That he he gets a, a headlining or co-main event slot, puts on a great fight, goes for the bonus and calls it. Which I, I which if that's how he wants to go, that's fine with me too, you know. But anyways, I, I hope to see Vicente Luque back in like better form and then obviously caps off to Jeff Neal, who it was not an easy feat as good as he looked. And Dan, thanks for giving me the dog price. I actually locked in at I think plus 155 or 65. So again, between that and Juliana Miller, I owe you a beer. Ankle lock cashed again, Dan. Surprise, surprise. I'm not surprised anymore. I know for a fact you're not surprised anymore. 5-0 and on the second half of the year. 17-6 and all time. We are in second place of the lock of the night game. We closed the gap between first. Distance the gap between third. So we're entrenched as the top two in lock of the night. And our lock, ankle lock, for those who listen regularly and, and are always on us on Twitter to drop our ankle locks, it was over one and a half, the alternate over, over one and a half, minus 145 on Jamal Hill, Thiago Santos.
0: Started out not as the alternate, I want to say. It it's, uh, was, was listed on a couple of different books, including mine as, as the only. Oh,
1: total. at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then night of the fight, it ended up having to be, it ended up moving to two and a half plus one, whatever on the over. But we got it one and a half minus 140. It, it, the first round was like perfect um and and it just it it was a pretty slow cash from there i i never was worried about it Um, yeah that's
0: the that's what i wanted you to hear that's what i really wanted you to say i we didn't have any pre-fight or pre-podcast meeting whatever but this was an interesting total because both these guys are really dangerous they have a ton of finishing ability that's why the over under is set so low uh we're talking about any single moment, there's capability on both sides to end the fight. But, it, and I, I want to add, when we go back and we look and revision his history, uh, whatever, hindsight 2020, this was an easy finish for Jamal Hill. He cruise controlled until the finish. However, the over one and a half was even easier. And it, a lot of people were saying Jamal Hill is going to come in and just absolutely knock him out he kind of did do that. But we were saying all week, Jamal Hill's smart. Jamal Hill sees this is his first main event within the UFC. He sees this as a pretty big launch pad opportunity to get into the title picture. He wants to prove he can fight five rounds. He wants to prove he's dangerous into the fourth, into the fifth. He wants to prove he can stand with a guy like Tiago and not make mistakes for two and a half, three rounds. We could have gotten a little bit more dicey with it. Obviously, the, the lock of the night... Uh, kind of mentality has us in a survive and advance, but it really was a huge value play. The, the, the line should have never been one and a half. It should have never been one and a half at all. Uh, just knowing the mentality of fighters, not let alone these fighters who are dangerous and who are incredible strikers, fight ending power on both sides. I can't stress that enough, but it, it's a guy who, has had a history of being a little gun shy who has a five round experience versus a guy who wants to prove he can go into those five round or into the fourth and fifth championship championship rounds. I I think it was an easy.
1: And that, sir, is why we call ourselves cappers, because our job is to find the inefficiencies in lines and knowing that they were going to respect each other's power, knowing that Jamel Hill is a high IQ fighter, knowing that Santos has multiple times gone to a unanimous decision while waiting to feel somebody out. One and a half was a gift. And so we capitalized on said gift advancing to five and zero and, and retaining second place and nipping at the heels of first in lock of the night challenge. So Just like last week, Danny and I have not discussed ankle lock going into this card, so we will figure that out as we do breakdown. Before that, though, we're closing the books on Hill Santos. We're going to open up some news and notes. We obviously don't have country club Kobe in the house this evening, so Danny and I are just going to kind of shoot what we've seen because we obviously follow the news kind of close, and then we will move on. So, Dan.
0: Kobe did – He sent me a message. He did kind of curate us a, a oh, decent, look at that. A decent list of um, the man doesn't notes to go through. So I can lead us here. I've got it in front of me. The first one is uh, a little bit of a shout out to myself. I think I was sitting in this chair a week or two ago when the first wave of UFC 280 announcements came in and I said, Abu Dhabi card, and we haven't even seen a Nirmaga Medov on it yet. We're mm-hmm. about to get more announcements. Abubakar Magomedov is fighting Ghazi Omar Margaziev uh, on that UFC 280 card, October 22nd in Abu Dhabi. Um, that should be one of the prelims. Also, just another prestigious, prestigious name to add to what's going to be the fight of the card of the year.
1: I also want to add that if someone has Magomed in their name, they win at an 85 percent clip in The UFC, so something worth mentioning that Abubakar Nur Mago Medov could, I think, is looking to pass that torch. I think that works, even if yeah, it's the,
0: on the other side, it's Omar God, yeah, it's not oh my god, yeah, I think that works. If it was Amagad, oh like Magamad,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're getting
0: into some weird, like, <laughs> syllables, like, hooked on phonics. Shit.
1: Um, what else? We got? Oh. Did he talk about Uriah Hall? If not, I'm going to take it now. Go ahead. So Uriah Hall announced his retirement and randomly got removed from the rankings. I think that was a retirement that was always on the horizon, but I never really, it kind of came out of the blue at the same time. It wasn't something that we were like, oh, this is his send-off fight or oh, he's whatever. He just kind of said, you know what? I'm done with this. And so, you know, will we see him again? I don't think so. I, I think this is one of those true retirements, but... One of the most electric guys we've seen on Tough, and a guy who's all in all had a pretty decent career. Uh, very nice guy, spent a uh, super nice guy. I saw him. Uh, yeah, he's,
0: I, I, I talked to him just a week and a half ago at UFC 277 in, oh, sure. in that Champions Club. He he stopped by, and he he did look super happy. I, he didn't mention anything about not having any fights scheduled or or, or made laying down the gloves
1: or was he or stuffing whatnot, his face think, or Jordan. drinking beers to give a little little tell <laughs> you know he
0: didn't at all he, you know who was was adrian yannette he had a he had himself a full plate of uh uh some steaks some folk uh, season
1: for Yanez I lobster that, yeah. lobster scampi hey yannette, campy, well, baby. get those nfts while they're hot come on now come on now uh not brought to you by by ufc strike but we recommend them we're, we're big fans
0: Okay. All right. Next up, yeah, keep got going. Eric Anders taking on Andre Prostrowski, not in a UFC fight, but in a grappling match at uh, Fury Grappling. Hmm. Um, this is gonna be August twenty seventh. So, just in in two weeks or so, I happening in Philadelphia.
1: To, I didn't know they were allowed to take those fights while under contract with the UFC. So Fury is a subsidiary. It's a fight. I know, pass. but I I know. I so I know it's a fight pass subsidiary, but I still didn't. it's just a grappling match the same as submission underground it, mm. it, it's not so, so much, are they uh, getting paid by Zufa yeah mm. okay okay that clears a lot of it up because I knew I knew like remember when uh uh Darren Stewart fought for cage warriors that one weird COVID thing it was super weird and when you followed the money trails it was on fight pass and he still got paid from Zufa same purse that was, was the
0: the UFC London card or yeah. Fight Night
1: London that uh, COVID got canceled because of yeah. COVID. Yeah, yeah. So okay, that's that's interesting. All right, next um, up
0: we've got two eighty three announcements. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, making the return. UFC in Brazil. We should have an awesome card there. I mean, I'm expecting Charles Oliveira, Jose Aldo, I mean, Figgy, uh, yeah, Gilbert Burns, Paul, Paul maybe like. Guys like Jelton, Almeida, Chao
1: Borello some great yeah. Brazilian prospect. Have you ever been, have you ever, as long as you've been following the UFC, have you ever been like, eh, there's not enough Brazilians for a Brazil card?
0: Definitely not. And You know what? I, I sent a text to Kobe and we've got to work out the details, but I'd love to get myself to my, my ass down to Rio de Janeiro for that card. I'm, I'm, I have, I'm teasing maybe being in. I want to
1: shout out my buddy, Josh. He's a close personal friend. He lives or lived in Brazil for 10 years. Maybe we can get him to take us around. That'd We'd be a fun to. time. Um,
0: next up. We got our guy, Georgian, Roman Delize. <laughs> fighting Phil Hawes in uh, October
1: 29th. Dude, and that's a that tough fight a, for a Roman or a matchup. I think that's a tougher fight for Roman than people realize. I mean, I know we made crazy work of Kyle Dawkins. And I know that Hawes had a tough time out a couple fights ago, but when you look from a wrestling standpoint and power standpoint, that's not an easy fight for Roman. The speed is definitely on the side of Phil Hawes. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, I think wrestling is what we're going to see uh, Roman get back to here. I think it's going to be back to a little bit of a boring fight. Kind of what we saw like against Staropoli. Um I don't know. I, people are, people are looking at Roman like he's some kind of crazy striker now, but. He's well-rounded. I I don't want to forget
1: it. And it'll also be nice to see uh, Valismas in the corner. So that's always great, too. Yeah, 100%. Next up, we've got um,
0: a guy we mentioned a little bit earlier, a guy who's obviously trying to stay busy, um, maybe trying to work his way out of losing his contract by being a little bit nicer to the UFC. Um, Eric Anders, again, is fighting Kyle Dawkins. UFC December 3rd. Um, I'm not sure exactly where that's going to be. It might be just another apex card. But Eric Anders is clearly trying to dig himself out of something.
1: Yeah, and not a a great fight for Anders, but it's not a bad fight either. I I think this is going to be... Kind of like a, a, I don't think they're going to cut Kyle Dawkins, but I do think this is going to be a big pivotal moment in his career for both
0: guys. For both. Eric
1: guys. Anders is, is needing, needing yeah. a great performance for both guys. Also, um, our boy, ankle picker himself, Tony Gravely, got a fight booked, which is awesome. Yeah, uh,
0: he's going to fight Basharat. Javid Basharat, September yeah. 17th. That was one I was building to a little bit. Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry. I, I'm screwed. No, no worries at all. It, it's and do you have any
1: kind of initial
0: reaction breakdown or are we thinking wrestle fuck tony Gravely like usually
1: i'm thinking i'm thinking tony's going to be able to mix in both but obviously with the style that bashrat brings his wrestling is going to be on the forefront and i think this is actually a pretty good step up in competition for for gravely i mean it's he's fought good people like nate maness isn't a clown or a joker but like this one's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how he handles um someone of of Bashrod's style. I'm excited. Yeah. And athleticism. Yeah.
0: Um last one this is on UFC 281 in New York City Madison Square Garden. Uh we we have the return of a fan favorite. Meatball Molly McCann is fighting Aaron Blanchfield, Fade. someone who we've touted Fade. as
1: fade aaron blanchfield no no meatball molly okay yeah we the second that line drops i'm hammering aaron blanchfield no matter what when for all our listeners who check best fight odds and you click the lines and you see that huge dip when it opens from 160 and all of a sudden goes to 300 just know that's danny and i 100 <laughs> i mean this is going to be i i almost think that
0: it's not going to get beaten up too much just because Fighting in New York, fighting in America. We're talking about a bar stool athlete Molly really? McCann, someone who's a huge, huge following here in the States
1: as no, well as yeah.
0: overseas. Erin um, Blansfield, though, we've we mentioned her names among this new generation of
1: Zero chance title is. challengers, elite,
0: this. elite fighters. Um, yeah, I think it's a great match. She's not dropping field. that fight. The
1: other thing, too, this is just, this is, um, anecdotal but in Chicago there's a bar stool bar and Patty and and Molly were there this past weekend and it was packed to the gills I mean th- it was full beyond your wildest dreams um, and so that just kind of shows how the stardom that her and Patty have created here are gonna give you that Connor McGregor type line where she might win. I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but the value will, will be there no matter what. Um,
0: Did you show up and tell Patty that uh, you've marked him down as a potential fade in the future? No,
1: too expensive. But I already know what he'd say. He'd say, he'd say shut up, lad. I'm going to teabag you, lad. Something like that. <laughs> that, was, that was just an all-time terrible Patty. Let's advance from there. <laughs> Throw um, that on
0: the uh, Instagram and the TikTok. Let's make that a clip.
1: Right. One more thing. Last thing before we leave. Um, and move on to this week's fight card. Bo Nickel, I'm actually kind of upset about this. So Bo Nickel came on Tuesday Contender Series and dominated in a minute and didn't get a contract. Pissed me off. And the reason why it pissed me off is because it makes me feel like they're playing us as a fool. I say that because they say, if you have a dominant performance, you get a contract. It could not have been more dominant. It's impossible. It's impossible. So basically when Dana didn't give him a contract, Dana was basically said, no matter what happened, you were never getting a contract here today. So why did he go? I was kind of like, they used him as a draw to put eyeballs on the screen, but he never was going to get a contract. And that's to me as a fan felt disingenuous. I was pretty upset about that.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I wish I had a different take here to make things more interesting. But um, for Dana to say a week ago, um, I'm not looking at a single thing you do before you come in here. You come in here right. this is your entire job interview. I'm, I'm giving out my contracts based on only what I see in here and no, no kind of preconceived notion about what your talent is or what your record is. And then to make the distinction of, oh, Bo Nickel, the the biggest sell that I've ever put since Sean O'Malley and Dana White contender series. Uh, Yeah, that didn't apply for you.
1: No, absolute crap. And what's even more frustrating about it too is he goes, oh, we're going to give him either another contender series bout or a developmental contender, whatever. So he's going to go on the contender series, be minus 1,500 again. Destroy I guess a man. hand-picked opponent
0: that he's not supposed to Destroy lose yet. That's the thing man is.
1: I know. They could have given him
0: a real opponent here. Obviously, they're not trying to derail him, but they also don't want to pick him up yet.
1: It's just upsetting because it, they're basically – they're they're messing with this man's career, and it's like it's not like he doesn't have a crazy foundation, but when you're transi- transi- transitioning from wrestling, he's already 26, which I know is young in the grand scheme of things, but, like, he's – he. He needs to not just sit out for a year, get on a different contender series, B minus fifteen hundred, dismantle this guy again. I
0: think he'll turn around in this season. I'll tell you that.
1: Now, if that happens, that might be a a, a slightly different story. Because I don't think
0: he's putting himself on the shelf for a full season. I guarantee
1: that. I, I will we'll see him yeah, this season. No, I I agree with that too. I'm saying like maybe they put him in a developmental scene where he dismantles people at minus three grand, comes back on the contender series at minus. 1500 but like let's be real if he went to the UFC right now I'm not even kidding like he he woke up tomorrow like woke up tomorrow fight got announced that he is fighting um what, what is nickel fighting at 85 that he's fighting um Drikas Duplassi's or Brad Tavares there's a reasonable chance he's minus
0: that's an ins- Brad Tavares. I'll give you.
1: Drikkus is is
0: get a little bit of. You steam don't think Drikkus would be plus point.
1: against Bo Nickel right now? Dri's got some steam on his name at this point. I know, good... I know, but we're talking about the most credentialed wrestler I think the UFC's almost ever seen outside of I like mean, Henry Cejudo. Romero, and Cejudo. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple, but he's but Bo Nickel's right there. But I mean, but again, I went straight for a top fifteen guy. You're telling me that someone in in the in the lower up like a Walt Harris. Harris
0: is 20, 50 pounds on him, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I
1: went straight for heavyweight. I keep, I almost did heavyweight the first time too. But you're, you're telling me that a lot of these middleweights, I don't know why so Harris. a lot of these middleweights, like look what Alex 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 Pereira was three and one when he made his UFC debut, he's getting a title shot in two months. You know what? That's a really great example. I'm glad you,
0: glad you brought that up because Alex Pereira is a specialist in the exact same vein that
1: Bo right. Nickel was. It's right, and and it worked in the exact same division. So I don't know. I when the contracts got red and Bo Nickel didn't get one, I would be lying if I said I wasn't like, wow. Like, why did <laughs> I just watch? I mean, I love fights, so I don't regret watching. But like. It really felt disingenuous. That's the best word, as good a word as any. It just felt like a robbery to the audience. I I feel you. Um, But also at the same time, and Dana White, I trust. I mean, he's never totally screwed me on anything. So I'm not, Dana's been fine. Okay. Let's move on to this week's fight card. Because I'm going to- He has some money to make. See, I'm going to need your help a little bit, Dan. Because I taped- Religiously, and I—I I don't know. I'm gonna need your help. So let's start it off. So this one took me by surprise. Yusuf Sulal is fighting a newcomer, Damon Blackshear, and Yusuf Sulal is only minus one twenty-five. Dan, do you watch any of uh Damon Blackshear? I did. I like.
0: I, I'm not gonna say I like me like I'm playing him, but I, I like me some Damon Blackshear. You on a three-fight losing streak. Obviously, he's back against the wall. Um,
1: well, so Zalal's three-fight losing streak, though, I do want to add is Ilya Tapuria. Um, Sungwoo Choi and Sean Woodson's not as good. But Ilya Tapuria, I'm not too upset about. Sean Woodson is a tough stylistic matchup for him just because of, of the size, length. But look, I taped Zalal religiously and he's not as good of a striker as i re- remember thinking he was i mean he's his, i think he's
0: at a serious striking disadvantage in this fight i think Damon blackshear is the much much better striker here. i
1: agree i'm glad you mentioned that so i didn't see it showcased as much in the josh smith fight but i went back a little bit to the vogel fight mateo vogel because it was a unanimous decision i got to see a little more of it I would say he's a significantly better striker. A lot mm-hmm. faster, puts together combos a lot better. Zalal's footwork might be a little better at at, at being on the outside, but um, the other thing I want to mention is Blackshear isn't a slouch on the ground. I mean, he he pushed definitely not. A lot. He gets Rageous. a lot of submission wins, and Zalal, although he never he hasn't gotten subbed, he didn't even get subbed by Tapuri, even though Tapuri had him in a lot of compromising positions. But this line, I went in being like, oh my God, Zalal should be a hammer, right? I mean, minus 125, a guy who I always thought's decent. He's young. Um, another thing to add though. So, Zalal's coming down to 35 from 45, but Blackshear is a massive 135er. They're the same height, um, similar reach. It's not going to be a size disadvantage like you're thinking, or like some people are thinking, not you particularly. But and just-
0: before we get away from Damon Blackshear, have- do you look into his record? This is a guy who, going back to the amateur scene, yeah, second fight on the amateur scene, a one and O DeMond Blackshear versus a two and oh Tony Gravely.
1: Oh, I did see that. Gets he fought himself as the decision victory. He fought Tony, Tony. Ended up,
0: Tony got that one back on the amateur. Yeah, but his losses are to Pat Sabatini, Danny Sabatello, Chris Moutinho, and
1: Tony Gravely. Another thing too is he's he beat guys like Alon Cruz who was four and one at the time in 2017. I mean he made to the UFC, and his his uh, cage or CFFC title defenses like they he didn't he looked the part. He didn't look like a fish out of water. Um, I did want to note that again in the Josh Smith fight, like I would say that if we were dealing with someone who had better scrambles, um, better transitions was a little bit smoother on the ground, I'd be a little bit more worried, but I think the way this fight's going to play out um really is a good stylistic uh matchup for Blackshire. And I think Zalal is going to be a guy who probably the UFC moves on from. And then when Zalal turns 29, 30, he might get a second stint. I mean, he's young. Um, 100%. But okay, I'm, I'm interested. We see this one the same way. This was one that isn't on my card yet because i wanted to see which way the line moved but it's definitely something i'm like thinking about where's it going initially it opened at 170 for zalal minus 170 okay so people like people like demand and now it's been stuck it's been stuck at this 105 115 range for a while um so i don't know i'm not sure how to play it from here the next one we
0: won't spend too
1: much yeah, on unless if you've anytime, got some new, I was gonna yeah. say if if any time, it's just the Quinlan wit wit that got re scheduled for this week. Uh it also is a catch weight, it looks like at 180. Yeah. Is there anything you wanna add? I mean uh, we broke it didn't, down. No, last let's week. just remind
0: let's just remind everyone what, where we're on. We think Quinlan's gonna come in fast, come in powerful, and uh hurt Jason Wit. We were talking about maybe playing the under. Um, it's not something I'm extremely confident in. It was more when we were fishing for props um, without an ankle lock, anything solidified last week. It's not something that'll see my card. I think Quinlan um, is an exciting prospect, but unproven. Jason Witt's going to have some size here, and the numbers are a little bit big for my liking, but I yeah. do I do expect Quinlan to come in and hurt Jason Witt
1: and probably get a finish. Retweet from me. I mean, Quinlan's striking's explosive. So it's either gonna be Jason Witt wrestle fucks him and we see the inexperience of Quinlan or Quinlan puts him out relatively fast. I mean, which proven to be a little bit chinny, but two eighty is expensive for a guy who's five and zero. Uh, no matter how you look at it. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm either gonna I'm not gonna play anything too disciplined, but uh Quinlan by K O T K would be my prediction, I think. Okay, Dan, I'm, I'm really curious to see how you think this one plays out. O'Day Osborne is taking on Tyson Nam at 125, and the line's steep. It's Ode Osborne minus 245, Tyson Nam plus 205. Line opened at O'Day minus 220. It's gone up a little bit. Um, the other thing about this fight is they've, they've fought a lot of like opponents and had similar success uh, Zaruk Adashev and Jerome Rivera are the two that I'm talking about. Both fought them recently, both finished them. So that's the type of, of people they fought within the last couple of years. But Tyson Am's an older dude, he's 38. He's fought the likes of Sergio Pettis at 25, Kai Kara France at 25. Um, also coming off also, an
0: ACL uh injury right now. Important to know, first fight back.
1: Important to note, yeah, and that he, he uh split decision loss to Matt Schnell. And then Odey Osborne, obviously, a lot of people he's been exciting and talked about recently. Just a couple months back, TKO, not even a month back, uh, dismantled Zaruk Adeshev, which obviously four and three at the time, not crazy. But, Dan, the line's steep here for a veteran, and I have this one as I think Ode Osborne's going to win. He's a volume striker. But Tyson Nam loads up on that right hand. Tyson Nam compared to any other 125er has a lot of power, and Ode Osborne's there to be hit. I'm not gonna lie; I watched a ton of his fights back, and in every one, he was there to be hit. He relied mainly on head movement, um, and and Tyson Nam keeps a high guard and throws those haymakers. I, 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 would say that Ode Osborne is fine, but I, I would be worried about having him in any parlay or especially straight.
0: Yeah, you're on it. It sucks I can't play some devil's advocate here because I thought I'd be playing devil's advocate talking about Tyson Nam's power. Um, I'll re-bring up the the knee injury. That's one thing that's really having me hesitate of playing Tyson Nam at the dog price. But you're on it. This is a guy that has uncharacteristic power for 125. And um, there's nothing showing me that Odie Osborne is, is sound defensively enough to... Not or to avoid the shot in a 15-minute fist fight. I have to yeah. assume it's gonna land.
1: And and Nam's there to be hit too in his own right. And that's what made an interesting take. I thought the under could be interesting for 125 because I expected it to be over under two and a half. Um, I don't have any
0: good read there. I have not so, thought about it. Well, just
1: it. because of of uh, moral of the story, the line is in no position to be taking the under um at 125. So I moved on respectfully there. Gabriel Benita, so it sounds like you're on nothing but
0: yeah, nothing. See some value on Tyson's side, but I kind of see, but I'm a guy who's suffered from ACL injuries in the past, I get that in my head, and and for some reason, it's tougher for me to bet you.
1: But the other thing, too, is are you looking to place a tracked wager on Tyson Nam here? I'm not, I mean, the value's there, maybe on that
0: knockout prop.
1: What, how steep is it? Is it even, I don't even think, honestly, based on what the over under is, I doubt it's as steep as you think it is. Um, either way, let's get into Mowgli Benitez. Give me one sec because this is kind of let me introduce the next And By KOTKO is plus 450. Okay, okay. Um, Gabriel Benitez versus Charlie onteveros Go ahead, Dan. You seemed excited about this before you do it though. Benitez minus 350, Onteveros plus 290 is a massive dog.
0: Yeah, for me, that line's way out of whack, and it's mostly just the Benitez side. Recently, we've seen a lot of really smacked-up lines, and I don't mean that like they're wrong or, or really anything. I, I mean that they're being released a little earlier, Let the me public's add a, tidbit, a little bit more knowledgeable, and come fight night, they're a little bit smacked around.
1: One, one, one quick tidbit before we keep going is this did open at Benitez minus 240 Antivero's 220 so it has seen a significant amount of action since- that's what I mean go- yeah. that's, I just, that's, right. that's why I wanted saying. to add it so go ahead continue
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I'm not I'm not trying to say that Benitez shouldn't be the favorite I, I clearly see him winning this fight more often than not Ontiveros is crazy chinny I mean he's freaking made a glass um, but at the same time on this huge favorite side I'm so uncomfortable laying Mowgli Benitez it almost reminds me of, what was it, two weeks ago, Dante Mays versus mm. uh, yeah. whoever it was. or, or it, What was it? Alan Jones, Josh and uh, a couple weeks
1: before that. And it's these. Humberto. No, that's not his name. Sorry. I was looking at the 125 or Humberto. <laughs> ignore <laughs> no, me. But, ignore
0: uh, me. All I'm saying is that there's these matchups where clearly one guy is better than the other, but neither are at a high level. And how are we getting into a fist fight where there's no clear chasm or, or any kind of level between them? It's just two bad guys. One of them's less bad than the other. And we're going to pay minus 400 for it? To me, that's crazy. Um, I almost see this as like a woman's science play. But uh, with, with how chinny I think on Tiveros is, I won't be touching it.
1: So, I mean, I'm not even going to bother beating a dead horse. You said everything I was going to. The one thing I was going to say, though, is I did look for a potential under because Antaveros' background... So here's a couple of things to add. One, Anteveros came into the UFC at 185 and he was decently lean. This is at 155. His last fight in the UFC was at 155, though, and he dropped his opponent twice. Um, but, but... Antiveros Veros is an absolute fish out of water on the ground. I mean, it is it is so appallingly obvious. I mean, Holland made him look like a freaking butter guard. It's so bad. It is so appallingly obvious. Um, but his striking background is is not that bad. Benita's on the other side He's a guy who's willing to stand and bang. I think Benita's fallen in love with his striking too. He has phenomenal low kicks. Um, but As of recent, I mean, he's been absolutely dismantled by Onama, um, Billy Quarantillo. I I think the only way to really look at this off the gate was Antaveros' value. Do not add Benitez in any of your parlays. But Antaveros is also terrible. I don't want to brush over that. Like, he's really, really bad. Should not be in the UFC. Has no takedown defense. Horrible off his back. And his striking is a karate style, a Kung Fu style, very low hands. But like Dan said, extremely chinny and gets hit. Dan, I wanted the under really bad. Can you tell me what you think the under is just for shits, just for shits. Don't look, don't look, just take a stab at the under.
0: It's one and a half. Yes. And it's minus 200, 220.
1: (laughs) It's under one and a half with the under being minus two twenty five. I mean, you can't. I was so that. on that. I know you but can't yeah, touch it's... it though. You can't touch it though, right? I mean, how am I supposed to touch that? Um, now, that's
0: one that makes me want to play the other side, but even that's just uncomfortable. Yeah, like I, I don't.
1: No, you can't do it. I mean, yeah. let's be real. I mean, it, it would be if Benitez touches on he folds. On is looking to stay standing. If it hits the mat, he's gonna fold. I mean, this is a this is gonna be a. Benitez is significantly more technical. Antiveros has significantly more power and has a very weird style he brings to the table. Antiveros as a plus, I'm not tracking it, but maybe sp- might sprinkle it. And then the under, maybe, if you want to add it to a parlay, but one and a half is just not that much time. But both these guys have glaringly ginormous holes um, and relatively easy to game plan for. I, I imagine... Benitez will make quick work of Antiveros just because Antiveros really does not belong. But the power is definitely worth mentioning. Nina Nunez in her second fight post-child is taking on Cynthia Calvillo at strawweight or flyweight here, sorry. And the line is steeper than I thought. It's Cynthia Calvillo minus 180, Nina Nunez plus 155, open deck Calvillo minus 140, Dan.
0: Oh, I'll go, I'll go in. I mean, it's.
1: I would love you to go in because it's Nunez and the only word I have for you, Dan, is science. Both it's these Nina women, are, yeah, both uh, these she, women drastically underperform their number almost always. Um, but Nunez, the better striker, has
0: the better cardio and is no slouch in terms of just not being a fish out of water grappler. Now,
1: if she, and that's the big thing, is Calvillo going to look to push the pace and grapple here. You're going to see a lot of clinch work. The question is, is Nunez going to be able to, you know, dig the underhooks and rotate off the fence? Is she going to be able to keep the fight out of the center when it hits the ground and and, and get up? Um, if that's the case, it's an easy win for Nunez. If that's not the case, Calvillo is going to grind her out for three rounds. Um, so we'll see. But I, I think it, there's a science play. Mine will be untracked. Are you going to track anything here? Not touching it. Nope. Here's what I want to hear your opinion on bad. Martin Boudet or Boudet is taking on Lucas Brzezinski at 265. So heavyweight. And the line, Dan, deeper than I thought. Boudet is minus 275. uh, Lucas Brzezinski is plus two thirty. The line opened at day minus two hundred, so has gotten smashed. Has seen as high as three thirty.
0: I play it up to three hundred. I think this Brzezinski guy is is not UFC caliber. I think he's wow. gonna get smoked. Uh, I I say it week in week out though. We disagree. I hate heavyweight. I we disagree. There's sir. so much variance. Uh, yeah, I really don't think this Brzezinski guy Brzezinski guy is
1: UFC caliber. But go ahead. So here's my thing. Brzezinski is a smaller heavyweight. Um, He's 6'4 with a massive reach, but I think that if he wanted to go the lean route, he could make 205. He's going to be fighting on fight night at 230. Um, Here's the thing, though. He's not a fish out of water in the grappling range. He's not a total fish out of water on the mat. And his striking is a large bit better than, than Boudet. Boudet, listen, listen. Boudet is very stationary, very slow, keeps a very high guard and throws very low volume. He, all he did with Chris Barnett, obviously Barnett's a better striker, but significantly smaller, was just him up against the fence and grind it out. And then against Lorenzo... Ur- why would you do anything else? And then Lorenzo Hood in the Contender Series tagged Boudet bad on the feet to the point where it split him open. And then Boudet just held him up against the fence and need him until he quit. But Brzezki's not going to just sit up against the clinch work. He's a big Brzezki's guy.
0: fought no one, man. I, like, I, this is not something that I'm going to play. I want to let you run. So, well, I... Not, I, not a play that I'm going to...
1: I am... So first off, he beat a guy named Ednaldo Oliveira on the regional scene who's 25. So it's not like he's fighting 0 and 1, 0 and 2 dudes. Um but I he, here's here's how I'm going to play this. I'm taking Brzezinski at +230 for half a unit and that is it. And it's nothing against It's nothing against It's 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 a play against Boudet, and that's it. It's nothing like Brzezinski's UFC caliber. I just think Boudet bullies with his size, but when you look at his his technical striking, it's really not that great. Um, so that's all. I I actually shocked you're on Boudet here. I really did not think you were going to be. Um, you're not tracking it though, right? You're just leaving this one. No, I'm not gonna play the minus two six. You know what? I I don't know. I, I might I might have it in a parlay.
0: Maybe like a Lupi Godinez Martin Boudet. Uh, I do not like Boudet
1: here, but we'll see. Bruno I've Silva. Wrong. I've been wrong before. Maybe a Boudet Godinez Silva parlay. Well, cool. so Angela Hill Lupi Godinez. It sounds like you're on Godinez.
0: Yeah, I think that this fight is only happening because Angela Hill wants another fight to in her in her hometown with uh. With a crowd to be able to put the gloves in the center of the octagon. She's not a fighter that has any success against any good grapplers. Um, she's been able to make it to some squeaky decisions that all haven't gone her way. Um, as a dog, probably without fighting always her numbers, plays, I feel like she always plays her price. This isn't a matchup where I expect her to. I mean, I it's not such a huge surprise when she's playing her price against Claudia Godelia or Michelle Watterson. It, right. It's a much bigger surprise when Lupe Godinas is going in there and just taking people down at will. I mean, she, no, she Godinez, really is just a fantastic Godinez wrestler. the
1: first person so far that we've gone through that I'm confident is going to win. It's the first one where I sit back and I'm like, I I, I can say with a 90% confidence that she's going to win. Maybe more. Um, but the rest of these guys, I if you told me we fast forwarded two weeks and you found out that Antaveros won or that Tyson Nam won or that even Jason Witt won, I wouldn't be like, no way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd that wouldn't you. change my life. Right. I'd believe you. Um, all right. GM3, Gerald Merchardt taking on Bruno Silva at middleweight and the line's massive. And Danny and I had this one get rescheduled, or we break it down on set. We we talked about on set the spread, but Bruno Silva's minus two eighty five, Gerald Murchart plus plus two forty. Um, the best line is on five dimes, so look for that Bruno Silva line to hike up a little bit more. Uh, if you do have a DraftKings and you want Bruno Silva, I would hit it now. It's three hundred everywhere else. But Dan, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna pass the sauce this one to you because. You, th- I mean, this is gonna. This could become a jits fight. It also could get knocked out on the feet if Silva wants it to be. Up, oh, shaking your head. Go on. I, I, I
0: see GM as, as sub or bust. Um, I don't oh, yeah. think that that. I, I mean, I don't think Bruno Silva's jiu jitsu is good enough that he's gonna let this become a jiu jitsu. Is he battle. good enough I mean, to
1: defend though?
0: Yes, I, I. I. He got him. He got his black belt in one of those fights where it was a complete standing matchup um what was that like the
1: oh I Jordan remember right fight no was it Jordan was, Wright or Andrew the, Sanchez maybe you know it was the Andrew S- I'm pretty sure it was the Andrew Sanchez I guess it could have been the Jordan Wright but I do remember. it might have even have been Wellington tournament honestly yeah but I know Who what knows? you're talking about I know what you're talking about
0: um this is a matchup where I don't see him letting it get on the ground at all yeah uh there's a huge speed difference here and that's the main thing for me we saw it against Hamzat GM3 just got stounced right away. Um, Bruno's got the speed and and the defense to go three full rounds with Alex Pereira. He's gonna absolutely tag GM3 while GM3 tries to get this to the mat. And it's not like GM3 has the as scary of a guard as Paul Craig. And maybe I'm I'm tempting a ghost here or, or setting a curse, whatever. But I just I I'm just not as worried. To see gm3 on his back than the guy like paul craig even though they have the same path to victory um this is gonna be really one-sided on the feet
1: and how do you see this fight going you think it's going to be a ko tko do you think it's going to be a, a paul craig round
0: or... two ko tko okay i think there's gonna be a little bit of just like annoyance of some butt scooching
1: some... i was gonna say is it gonna be a paul craig vulcan type fight where it's just gm3 laying on his back i
0: I think GM3 gets tagged in the first two minutes trying to land a takedown. He realizes I can't get a takedown. I think Bruno doesn't play it though. I think Bruno says, "Get up." Ref stands him up. He gets tagged some more. Round so two starts. Way- minute and a half Wait. into round two. How are you playing this? If you're, if you're the under, the way to play it is the under. What is the under? Really? Oh, it's another one and a half. It's oh, one and this a half is tough.
1: Minus one twenty-five, no less too. I don't know. I don't I
0: don't have a I don't have a sharp side for okay. this one. Um I think Bruno at if you're going to get like a minus 280, minus 275, I think that's a gift. 300 it's pushing it a little bit, but I think Bruno Silva wins but this fight. But not straight in violent. I think it's a parlay that. Okay. I think it a done in violent. One fashion.
1: more follow up question. Do you think that the KOT KO line at minus 138 is a play? Kind of that's kind of like a parlay I with think- I hate
0: giving juice on uh, method products.
1: Okay. I, I hate
0: it. I hate, 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 but you hate
1: it. You can kind of say it's not going to be a sub, right?
0: Yeah. No, I, I really would be incredibly surprised if it was a sub. In the same vein,
1: Fluffy Hernandez sub to Adolfo Vieira. Right. It's always possible. I mean, when you mm-hmm. say that, that proves that it is truly always possible. Mm-hmm. All right, this also was from last week, so we'll go quick here. Ariana Lipski versus Priscilla Koshea. Has anything changed, or are you still on the side of Koshea?
0: Nothing has changed on my side. Things have changed a little bit, that with Lipsky being the reason that this fight is getting pushed the week has become a bigger favorite. And that's something I just don't really know what I'm missing. But yeah, I'm still with uh, catch, a, catch a Beating and. Uh, unsure why the prices just got more favorable
1: yeah it could be because of why the fight got canceled in the first place i think or no it was a lipsky weight cut yeah i thought it was a. yeah yeah i, I don't know i really don't know but look we'll take it because i was on Cochet all the way and science doesn't lie so a lot of science opportunities here but with the secondary science that we talked about where you don't take anyone on the opposite side of spoon minus 350 or more it's only going to be – it's going to be one less. You lay off Angela Hill, which sounds like we're thinking is pretty decent. Devin oh – yeah, Dan, this one Angela. this one, I'm confused about as far as your take. I, I really could not tell you what side I think you're going to be on. It's a 2 juicy one. It is a juicy one. Devin Clark is fighting Amzat Mirzakhanov, and the line's going to be one of the closer ones I think you would see for a guy who's undefeated and has a decent amount of, like, hype around him. I know he struggled against Tuff and Chukwi, but he's minus 145. Devin Clark plus 125. Lined open, though, as a minus 175 and has come down. The reason why this one's weird is because I think that no matter what side you take, you're either going to look like a genius or an idiot. Either Devin Clark is going to be significantly outclass him, or Mirzakonov's is going to steamroll him. And I don't really think there's like an in-between where it's a really close fight. And that might just be me. That's just how I've kind of seen it um, from both these gentlemen.
0: I, I think the, the way that it's a really close fight is that you're right in both directions for one round and that we mm. go into a third with two gassed out guys that each had a dominant round. But I tend to think that Osmat Mirzakhanov way outperforms his number here. I I really like Yep, and I think that the problems that he had trouble with uh in Tefan are not present against Devin Clark. Devin Clark, but it was a lot—not of- nearly as long, not nearly as athletic, n- none of it. And and the dynamicism, dynamic—is that even a word? The, the I'll allow it. The dynamic as a map is dynamic. Devin Clark. Is slow, uh, even even that flying me in the third round against Tafan is something that I mean, a lot of fighters at 205 just can't and won't do. Uh, but
1: you're looking at a guy who is very one sided on the striking, and you saw, I mean, I know he beat Andre Mooney's, but it was in 50 seconds. I know he beat uh Muhammad Fakir Dean, which I know it's like not a UFC name, but he's decent on the regional scene. Um, another uppercut first round. You saw the the right hook on, on, on where even though he was minus a, a million on the contender series, and then he got bailed out with a flying knee. What if Devin? Clark you look at a guy like What you, if Devin I Clark
0: mean, wrestle fucks him back to the contender series fight? Matu Scheffel is coming off a performance where he was able to absolutely suffocate Bruno Capilozza, the guy that we've been or especially I, know Cap- I have been talking a lot about yeah. this TFL season. Um, I think it says a lot that Asimov was able to stuff those same takedowns and just hurt and hurt and hurt. I think
1: Devin Clark's a better wrestler,
0: though. I really do. I don't Uh, think he's as big. I think Asimov is going to have the the size advantage. I don't think he's going to end up on his back. I think he's going to be able to get his strikes off, and I I like my homie Asimov here.
1: It's a really tough one. I'm laying off. Are you tracking Asimov, or are you – just liking I will. It. I think I will
0: end up tracking it. I have nothing uh, placed yet. I have absolutely nothing placed yet, but I think that this is a little bit of a gift of a line. Um, Devin Clark's been kind of trying to find his footing, moving around after uh, getting a couple losses and fighting William Knight at heavyweight. That was just a weird fight altogether. Um, that's the only time we've seen him win since 2020. Since before like the pandemic, and that's a win over Alonzo menifield Like, right. Mursikhanov is, although he's thirty three, he's on a different trajectory. He's in his prime. He wants to make an a name for himself in the UFC, and I think he can. I think he's he's got all of the skills to really hurt Devin Clark, who's hittable in
1: every shape of the world for sure, for sure. But when you look at a guy like Devin Clark, he's fought strikers before his big issue has been the submission game but I feel I just am worried that we're going to see a really boring clinch fight of a more pressure Tefan and and just doesn't get it off I mean Tefan gave a, a somewhat of a game plan on how to do it if you don't get caught <laughs> yeah but, uh, I mean but let's just say, let's just say that Merzikanov comes out there is the exact same fighter, but he landed the flying knee earlier. You're looking at a minus 800 here or minus 600 here. You know what I mean? Like it, the line has been drastically smashed down because of the Tefan fight. It's weird. I agree. It's
0: been smashed down because of the Tefan fight. I, I think we're getting a gift because of that more than anything.
1: And that's, else. and that's entirely, entirely possible. That makes a lot of sense. So, this one, Dan, I won't even lie. Don't have a lot of notes on. Not sure if you do. Yasmin Jaragu versus Lasmin Lucindo. I have no fucking clue. But Yasmin Jaragu is minus. Yasmin versus Yasmin. Versus Yasmin Lucindo is plus 175. But the lines moved a little bit. It opened at 260s, come down. I'm not even going to pretend like i can give an educated guess on how this is going to play out so i'm just not um
0: i like aware g is the better martial artist from what i've seen i won't act like it's as as well sought out or researched as any of these other fights but i think that the correct fighter is favorited am i confident enough to tell kobe take it out of the the science and don't track the underdog this week No. no um but I, I do have a little bit of, of a magnifying glass or a red flag or a post-it or whatever you want to pin, um, however you want to say in this Jawergy uh, girl who I, I think has real potential.
1: That's what I'll say. I'll take it. Um, so look, I, I, I'm going to be playing science there if anything, but I just, I didn't have anything fundamental to add. So I'm just going to just brush over it. Co-main event, David Onama has taken on Nate Landwehr. Line is massive, Onama minus 275, Landwehr plus 230. Open to 215 for Onama and has gotten steamed up a little bit. A lot recently though, the steam started around August 8th. So very recently he's gotten smashed down. Dan, I'm really excited for your take here because my take here is Landwehr's a little bit of a live dog, but not live enough for me to take it um onama's very raw but he fights in one of the best gyms you can in glory and i think that the mason jones fight even though it was a loss did more for his stock than it did hurt it which obviously since mason jones last couple of fights it hasn't aged as amazing as we all once thought it did watch gabriel benitez fight back fighting on the same card and benitez actually wobbled him once um, in, in a couple exchanges and, and, and got some hands off. I just think that Onama's a guy who's 28 years old and at 32, he's going to be a legitimate top 15. Um, but right now, as raw as he is, um, started his career. I mean, his, he didn't start his pro career till 2019, if that tells you anything. Um, I, I just have a feeling that He's gonna win, but he he's not the two sixty 260, minus two sixty five gonna win.
0: Yeah, you can see seeing him all the way up to minus three thirty three fifty. You said it. You, I really. I mean, that's just. I don't know
1: how else to. Nate is
0: yeah. experienced. Nate can get it done. Onama has looked really great against Garrett Armfield and Mowgli Benitez and Mason Jones. I mean, it pains me to say it, but are are we Really gonna hold him in the same light that we did before he lost Ladovic Klein. No, because to me that's a little tough. Do you know who beat um,
1: Ladovic?
0: Nate Landwehr.
1: Yeah. And so yeah, I, I, I'm right
0: there with you. I think that great there's a huge amount of value on Nate the Nate the Train. Is that is that it, who he is now? Nate it the is Train. Nate the
1: Train Landwehr.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that um, that's where the value play is here.
1: Um, will it be trash? time?
0: Um, not, not right now. No, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find a lot of plays on this card. Um, but yeah, stay tuned.
1: I'm I, I am well as struggling stay tuned to the Twitter for the official ankle lock. There will be one, um, main event, Dan, and I have an interesting play here. My only placed bet so far, Marlon Chito Vera number six Bantamweight is taking on first ballot hall of famer, Dominic Cruz, number nine, Bantamweight, weight here at 135 in the main event. And the line is steep. We were both shocked. Come set the spread, brother. I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna like
0: explode a little bit if you were gonna the way you uh the cadence in your voice a little bit. You said, I've got my one bet placed here, Marlon Vera. No, no, and no, then you pause and so said, Marlon, Dominic Cruz. And I, I, I Mar- we can pull back that footage
1: maybe. <laughs> Marlon Vera is minus 230, Dominic Cruz plus 195.
0: And the thing is, I, I'm not sitting here and saying, like, oh, you're wasting your money. Cheeto Vera has no chance of winning this fight. He's outmatched. The number's wrong. Should be flipped. Um, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you're betting Marlon Cheeto Vera before – the second round, maybe, maybe even the third round, you're doing this wrong. Um, Reese is going to, in a minute, talk about why we love Dominic Cruz so much and why he's a absolute legend, incredible pedigree. I mean, all of the credentials, but one thing about Marlon chito Vera that is a little bit looked past, especially with this, huge momentum that he has recently is the pattern in these fights and we're talking both three round and five round fights i want to say in maybe five of his last six six of his last seven he's lost the first round he's a slow starter this is against frankie edgar this is against guys that are slower than dominic cruz this is against rob font davy grant fights that he's won granted but He's come out and lost that first round. So the reason that I'm I was so quick to kind of bite back at uh the potential of someone playing Cheeto Vera before a live bet after the first round is you're just giving away value. This 240 is not gonna be there after five minutes in this fight when Dominic Cruz looks good and is
1: fresh, it is not gonna be 240 after the first round. What I about, guarantee that is there a potential for missing out on a Cheeto Vera first round finish.
0: I don't think that that's possible. I mean, we've, what, obviously Dominic Cruz is getting up in age and whatever, but Henry Cejudo, I think is the only guy who stopped him. And even that was was like, yeah, yeah, I was about to say like uh, our guy, Keith Peterson, shout out to him. uh, Don't want to put any shade
1: towards there, but. um, The other thing too, is Dom Cruz has never, lost a non-title fight when you let that sink in it really shows the type of guy you're dealing with here I mean he is one of the only guys a while ago to beat Demetrius Johnson and I know it's a different weight class but and beat a long WEC time ago. Uriah Faber. I mean that's a legendary but legendary we're, fighter we're talking about a guy who knowledge-wise fight IQ wise cannot be beat really hard to prep for because stylistically he can't really be replicated and he's a de- de- decision machine because he's there. He's, he, he pops in to hit you, pops out. Um, I don't know. I think Cheeto Vera's going to learn a valuable lesson here. I think Dom Cruz is the play. And the other thing too, Dan, is I want to hear what you think about this bet. It's over on DraftKings. And it is got to be my favorite way to play this. It is... Dominic Cruz, decision-only money line. So what that means is if the fight ends in a finish, it is void. It does not count. The bet never happened. So either side finishes, the bet does not count. If the fight goes to decision, the bet is live. And you have Dom Cruz plus 150. That's a great number. I think that's a a fantastic bet. If it goes to decision, I do not see Vera being the victor. Personally,
0: he could there's be. There's a lot of people talking about like, oh, cheeto Vera is gonna have the the volume and the output no advantage. Way. No one has ever had a volume and output advantage no way. on Dominic Cruz. there's no a way. whole lot of recency bias going into this line. Hundred percent. The, the the crazy thing is, Reese. The sad thing is, um, where I've come to watching tape this week is I do think that Marlon Cheeto Vera is going to beat Dominic Cruz. I think that he's going to – what I've seen with Dominic Cruz getting dropped by Pedro Munoz, I think that Cheeto's going to come on really strong in that third round, late in the second round, and uh, hurt and aging Dominic Cruz. However, Stephen A. Smith, however, it's not going to see my card at all. I may be looking for a live bet opportunity as my only, only, only play here just because that 240 is a dumb number when you know it's going to be around 170, 150 after I'm he sad. loses round one.
1: I'm sad. It's an end of an era. I mean, this is a fight that I never thought would be this steep of a line to begin with. I mean, I know what you mean. I watched the same tape you did. I I saw it. But when I watched the Cheeto Vera tape too, I saw a good amount of holes there as well. And I think that when you look at the mind of Dominic Cruz, I don't see why he couldn't put on a Jose Aldo performance. I don't see why he couldn't put on a song and Dong type performance. I really, if we like,
0: bring it back to the recap, the Jeff Neal, the best version of these fighters, the line is flipped. If the if we get the best
1: Dominic Cruz, and, you know, and I mean, it's not reasonable for a 37 year old Dominic Cruz obviously to right. be the best, Dominic.
0: obviously, it's it's different but, than a 33 year old Jeff Neal coming in and putting on, but
1: a, we're talking about back the clock, four and three first ballot hall of fame or one of the smartest minds the sports ever seen in a style that can't be replicated and you're getting him at two to one seems like a gift seems like a gift but the reason why i did the decision only that i was talking about is because if dom's gonna lose it's gonna be cheeto drops it
0: yeah yeah, that's the chin. It's the Pedro Munoz drop that's really gotten in my Plus head. Henry uh, but there's always that game plan that we forget about. It's in the back pocket of Dominic Cruz that I'm a world class, I'm a world class wrestler. What is look Marlon Chido
1: Barra gonna do? Look at butt? the volume. I mean, when mm-hmm. you look at age, you worry like, oh, are they gonna have the same gas tank, cardio, volume? But he proved against Casey Kenny that he can still hang with. High volume, high output strikers. That's why if it sees the card, I, I think this is Dom Cruz's fight to lose.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't think you're wrong. I, the Dom Cruz side is the better side to be on
1: in this So fight. let's do a very quick recap. What are you placing this week, if anything, as it sits right now?
0: Brother, not to make this a bad segment, but I, I don't think I'm confident in anything going on I know it will episode. change
1: come Saturday but yeah it, thing-
0: I, I can't I know we say this every episode but it's resounding truth um please please follow us at ankle pick podcast me yeah. at Dan K wagers Reese at Kingpin MMA uh, our Twitters is where we're gonna have our most up-to-date plays that yeah. also being said every single wager I place every single week is tracked not behind any paywall at uh betmma.tips under the exact same I botched it on our and TikTok. I, see that. I didn't see it but oh, um but yeah no l- listeners even if i can't give you solidified picks and that's exactly i guess what i'm saying here um because i don't have my card finalized and i don't want to give you guys
1: yeah and look like we we're, we're plugging the yeah. twitter we're plugging the twitter simply for you guys we don't get any monetization we don't get any cloud we I mean, we get literally nothing it's just an easy way for us to streamline what we have if you are wondering come fight night because things change news change weight cuts look different um as for me i think um the only safe play would be loopy uh godinez in a parlay bruno silva maybe that parlay not sure what that pays um, and I'll probably find myself obviously on the Dom Cruz decision only play plus one fifty, um, but to me, just preliminary, it looks like the dogs will in fact be barking quite some, quite a bit this weekend. It'll, it'll sound like a shelter in this mug, um, so you'll love to see it. Dan, thank you so much for holding this down with me. The boys are back, just us two. Great podcast. Kobe um, is missed. Will we have him next week? I think we will have Kobe next week for the main
0: episode. Cool. Um, expect another set the spread to be out, um, both on podcast and YouTube on Monday. Oh, Check God. out our YouTube. I'm, 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 I'm making strides here. Ridiculous. I really want to pat myself on the back. Ridiculous. Here, Dan. my ability. At a boy. Because, uh, it's 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 no. taking Go. a little bit of practice. Go.
1: Also, quickly, if you're watching PFL this weekend, phenomenal card, PFLs this weekend, Bellator's this weekend, but we had the opportunity to go into a video call with uh, the main event in two weeks from now. Uh, Brennan Lachnane, um Taking on Chris Wade. Taking on Island. Chris Wade. Yep. And that, that call got uh, spicy, I'll say. So that's yeah. up on the YouTube as well. Very funny if you want to listen to that. Um, but that's it. Dan, want to wrap this up here?